you are an entrepreneur, a professional, a speaker, or a coach, and although you've come a long way, it's time for you to take it to the next level. We've got you. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. We'll help you use authority and influencer marketing to build your business stronger and faster by publishing a book. You'll hear from guests that are thought leaders in sales, marketing, networking, communication, social media, promotion, and business leadership. Let's do it. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. And now your host, the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. And today I'm here with Tim Fitzpatrick. And this is take number two. The first time uh, we tried to record this episode, Tim's internet just kept cutting out and we just could not get a good conversation going. And I was so impressed with Tim and the things that we had talked about before that I wanted to make sure that he did get on the Author to Authority podcast. Now, he's an entrepreneur and business owner. He has expertise in marketing and business growth. He has 20 plus years entrepreneurial experience with a passion for developing and growing businesses. That passion has served him well in operating and managing a wholesale distribution company that he co-owned for nine years. His company grew an average of 60% a year before being acquired in 2005. Since then, he's had failures and successes that have helped him continually grow. He started Rialto Marketing in 2013 and has been helping business-to-business professional service firms that want to accelerate revenue growth and attract more ideal clients. So welcome back, Tim. Thanks for having me. And uh, last time it was me, not you, Kim. How's that? (laughs) So, Tim, with this being sort of your first time on the podcast, why don't you take a few minutes, introduce yourself, and tell us a little bit more about your story. Sure. Thanks again for having me. So, my name is Tim Fitzpatrick. My company is Rialto Marketing. I am a marketing consultant and a fractional chief marketing officer. I have not always been doing that. My entrepreneurial journey started right out of college. I I was a math major. I was always good with numbers, but I, I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I figured Man, math is applied in so many different disciplines. It'll serve me well. And I ended up, when I when I got out, my dad had been an entrepreneur for a long time. He was a manufacturer's rep selling consumer electronics. And he had started a wholesale distribution company that was related to that uh, rep company. He had no full-time employees. I knew he needed some help. And I was like, hey, dad, why don't I help you for the summer while I figure out what the heck I'm going to do? And he said, sure. So that's what I did. I started working for him. I was the first full-time employee. And after three months, I didn't want to do anything else. I was totally hooked. I loved it. I loved what we were selling. I love. I was soaking up information like a sponge. I loved the clients, the customers that we were working with. And I said, look, I, I would love to keep doing this if you'll have me. And fortunately he said, yes. And you know, it just went from there. I, I ran the the wholesale distribution company on a day-to-day basis eventually became a partner and it just worked out really well. You know, my dad gave me a lot of freedom. He gave me, you know, enough rope to, to make plenty of mistakes and learn from those things. But he was always there as, as a mentor, as somebody that I could strategize with. And uh, he gave me a lot of trust. I think because of that, it worked out really well. 
And as you said, we grew 60% a year. That was, I, I'm not going to say that that was all me. There was a lot of things that played into that, but we grew very fast consistently for nine years. And then we sold it. I worked with the company for another three years and I got laid off uh, from the company that we, that we, that we actually got, that actually bought us. So, you know, this was in 2009, had to figure out what the hell I was going to do. I transitioned into residential real estate. I would always been interested in it. And I learned a ton there, put myself outside my comfort zone all the time. But man, I started waking up being like, oh my God, I have to do this again. So I, you know, when you're doing that and it's your own business, like, what are you doing? You got to do something different. And so I shifted gears again. And that's when I got involved in marketing, which is what I'm doing today. That has not been a, a straight or a straight path either. It's been very winding. I love marketing. And so that's what I'm still doing today. It's, you know, if you don't have marketing, you can have the best product or service in the world and nobody's going to know about it. Critically important. So that's been my path. Well, I'm not surprised that you like marketing because you like numbers. Yeah, yes, yes, I do. And there's a lot of numbers in marketing. You know, it's funny. Your dad said to you, you said that your dad gave you enough rope. And I was thinking to myself, okay, did he give him enough rope to hang himself or just trip over? And I think your yeah. dad gave you enough rope to trip over. Yes. But not to hang yourself. That's correct. That's correct. And he was always looking out for me, but he trusted me and he had a lot of faith in me. I'm grateful for that. Yeah. I, I look at it, what, you know, in that role, he was more your mentor than your dad. You know, the interesting thing is I saw working with my dad, I saw a completely different side to him than what I did growing up. And, mm -hmm. and again, that's another thing that I'm super grateful for. Uh, because I never would have seen that side of my dad, but in, on the the business side, he just operated and not to say that he didn't operate this way personally, but he just had a ton of integrity. He was very well respected within the industry. And, you know, so, I mean, it was not uncommon for me to like run into people. He knew a lot of people in the industry because he had been in it for a long time, you know, and I'd run into people at trade shows. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're Paul's son, you know, and they would inevitably say something just incredibly nice and flattering about my dad. And I'm just like, gosh, you know, there's a lot of people that <laughs> really, you know, love working with him, but they respect mm -hmm. him. That was a cool side to see. Yeah, it was funny when when my grandmother died, she had been so influential in her church. And this was during the week. Okay, so like it wasn't a weekend funeral. It was during the week because it made things a little bit, you know, less expensive. Toronto is the largest city in Canada. And she lived in downtown Toronto. So many people showed up to her funeral. They had to call in police to direct the traffic. I think they were expecting like maybe 50 to 100 people, my dad said, and over 300, three to 400 people showed up for her funeral because she had just been that type of person that made impact, that cared about people. And, you know, they ca all came out to honor her memory. And I, I think that's so important is your dad created those relationships. Yes. Yeah. But it gave you an advantage too, because you automatically got included in because you were his son. Yeah, I got, I got lumped in. Yes, there is no doubt that I benefited tremendously from the relationships that mm -hmm. that he had. And honestly, that was I mean, that was one of one of my first big lessons from a business standpoint was just realizing like gosh, how powerful relationships are in mm -hmm. our businesses. I mean, it's it's critical. You know, if you have strong relationships, I think you have a much higher likelihood of being successful. If you mm -hmm. don't, it's it's not to say that you can't be successful, but gosh, it's going to be so much harder. 
Yeah. Oh, I agree. We're going to shift gears here because I want to give you lots of time to talk about, you know, the marketing fundamentals. And you specialize in service-based businesses, which is who a lot of, you know, the author to authority audience is. And that was one of the reasons why I have you on the show. It's not just because you understand marketing, but you understand marketing from a service business perspective. So I want to give you lots of time to share what you've, what you've brought for us today. Well, I, I appreciate that. I'll, uh, I'll just, I'll just start and you just tell me when to stop or ask me, <laughs> ask me questions, right? Cause marketing is just so broad, Kim. It's just, I find so many people are battling information overload with marketing. They're just, they're stuck. You know, it's like, do I need to be here? Yeah. Do I need to have a YouTube channel? Do I need to have a podcast? What do I need to do to be successful? And you know, the reality, is a lot of us don't have to do nearly as much as we think, but we have to focus on the right things. And there is no one size fits all marketing plan. We've really got to look at where we're at and what we want to accomplish. But success in any discipline always comes back to the fundamentals. The fundamentals lay that foundation for us to be successful and they don't change. You know, the fundamentals of hitting a major league fastball are the same today as they were 50 years ago and they're going to be the same 50 years from now. And that's no different with marketing. But so many of us miss or or skip the fundamentals or something's out of alignment because they're not cool and they're not sexy, right? It's just, <laughs> that's the reality of it. But they're so that, that is important. so true. It's my word for 2023 is consistency. And there is nothing sexy about the word consistency. But it's such a vital key to success and people overlook it because it's not sexy. It's not fun. Yeah. Some days it's downright hard. <laughs> it is. It definitely is. And you know, it's when we work with clients, we help them remove the nine common revenue roadblocks that exist within marketing. And they all have to do with strategy, planning, and leadership. What I want to focus on today are three of what I think are some of the most important ones. They're all important, but let's focus on some of these foundational elements within these roadblocks. The first one is your target market. Critically important because that's where everything from a marketing standpoint starts, right? Yeah. We need to know the target that we are aiming at. If we can't see the target, how the hell are we going to hit it? And there's so many businesses out there that just don't even know what the target is because the target's too broad. Uh, I work with small business owners, too broad. You, that's not a target you can see. So we've got- Yeah, like really... what type of small business owners? You've got exactly. service-based business owners. You've got brick and mortar-based. You've got e-commerce-based small businesses. Like, and each one's a, a different beast that needs to be conquered. Too broad. So we have to narrow it down. And one of the common roadblocks for people here is, you know, in the back of their mind, they're like, well, gosh, if I narrow it down, I'm going to lose business. But the reality is for, for most of us, we don't need that big of a market to be very successful. Narrowing it down is not an issue. The easiest way to narrow it down. This is a this is a hurdle that that a lot of us have a hard time getting over with. Is okay. Well, if I'm going to narrow it down, how do I how do I determine how I'm going to narrow it down? So let's take an example for somebody that's been in business for a while. I like to start with three questions. I call them the three power questions. This is the easiest way to start to hone in on who your ideal clients are because you're serving a target market. You can serve a target market of small business owners, but you need to hone in on the ideal clients within that market. 
because mm -hmm. not everyone is an ideal client. So the three power questions are, who do you love working with? Okay, there's no point in doing business with people that make you want to bang your head against a wall. So let's be happy in, in doing what we're doing every day and work with people that we love mm -hmm. working with. Two, who are our most profitable clients? If we're going to stay in business and serve people at the highest level, we have to make money. It's okay to work to make money. So who are our most profitable clients? And then who do we get great results for? When you ask yourself these three questions, you end up with a group of people that are right in the middle. They're at the intersection of all three of those things. So you know you love working with them. They're profitable and you get great results for them. This is more of a rhetorical question, but if you could work with people like that every day, how great would your business be? We all know the answer to that question. It would be phenomenal. There's so many benefits to our businesses when we can work with people that check all three of those boxes. So we've now got this group that checks all three of those boxes. Now what we can do is start to dig a little bit deeper, peel the layers of the onion back mm -hmm. and start to look at the characteristics of the people that are in that group. What are the demographics? Which are the numbers around the people? These numbers are going to be different if you're in B2B versus B2C, but you know it could be the types of positions they have. Did they go to college? Do they have specific degrees? Do they have specific titles? Are they in specific industries? All of those things start to paint the picture of what these people look like. What's missing from that though is what are they thinking? That's when they st yeah. we start to get into the psychographics. And the psychographics help us get into their head and really understand the conversation that they're having in their head as it relates to what we do and what we offer. We want to understand, you know, what the what the common problems are that they have. What are their goals, their their aspirations? What are the results that they're looking for, the benefits that they want to experience? When you look at the demographics and the psychographics, I think that the psychographics are far more important. I don't think you need to dig into the weeds on, on the demographics. You just have to start to get an idea of who these people are and what they're like. Yeah. Because once we know that, then we can start to dig even deeper and go, okay, great. These are the people that I want to work with. Now, how do, where are they? And how do I get in front of them? But when you go through this exercise, inevitably in that group of customers that checked all three of those boxes, as you dig deeper, you end up with these subgroups that share these commonalities. Mm -hmm. And it's those subgroups that tend to be your ideal clients. You should not have more than three. As you grow, certainly you can start to expand out from there. But the vast majority of us do not need more than three of these. And I think you should yeah. really focus on one in the beginning. I so agree with you, Tim. I started ghostwriting before I owned a publishing company. I fell into ghostwriting and then started a publishing company. And the first few years were rough because I just took any jobs and a lot of them I didn't enjoy. Around 2017 was when I really started to look into that process of what you were talking about. And by 2018, I kind of really had it settled in. And now it's, it's very, very dialed down. But one thing I've learned is, is the more dialed down you are, it actually makes it easier. The whole process of marketing and sales easier. You know, you don't have to talk to 100 people to find that one or two. You might have to talk to five or 10. If you if you're really dialed down and you really understand your you know, your target market and, and who they are. And I love those those psychographics because to me, that's what really made the difference. One of the things that was really important to me is that I work with heart-centered people, people who truly, as my client Larry Levine says, give a rip, 
right? Yeah. So people who really do care, they care about their clients, they care about their customers, they care about their message, they care about making this world a better place. And that made a whole difference for me because when I came across someone who wasn't heart-centered, it didn't matter how much money they offered me. The answer was no, because I knew that working with them was just not going to be fun. And what you're doing is not going to resonate with them anyways. Yeah. So what we're really doing here is putting focus in what we do. And mm -hmm. there are so many benefits from focus. You touched on one of them. It just made everything easier for you. Because when we have focus, we know where we're headed. We know the direction yeah. that we're going, which gives us confidence. It helps us outline what our priorities are, mm -hmm. which gives us clarity, right? Which reduces yeah. our stress. So, I mean, those are just a few of the benefits, but it's, we got to focus. And that's yeah. what this first fundamental, this first roadblock is all about. Because if this is out of alignment, everything down the line from a marketing standpoint is going to be off. Yeah. And you're going to run into to roadblocks all over the place. You're going to waste time. You're going to waste money. You got to get this right. And it doesn't mean that if you choose to focus on heart-centered people that want to write a book, it doesn't mean that you you need to do that forever. It just no. means that that's what we're doing right now. Yeah. You can change businesses. Our yeah. businesses are changing all the time. This is not set. Your feet oh, yeah. are not poured in the concrete. Okay. Yeah. Even since 2000, the 2018, you know, there's been refinement on that. Yes. One of the things that became very important to me in around beginning of 2019 was working with people who saw me as a partner in their process because I worked with some people they were you know they were I'd say okay heart-centered but they saw me as sort of below and beneath them and I was just someone to bark orders out to and yeah. that wasn't what I wanted I wanted to partner with my clients to help them create that message, to help them get that book out. A lot of my clients now have almost become like family because we we partner together and they have areas they're so strong in and I have areas I'm strong in. And when we both work those together, it becomes this beautiful thing. And so, you know, that was something else for me that I felt was really important. Yeah. It, you know what it does when you have this understanding of who your ideal clients are, it gives you a measuring stick mm -hmm. so that when you're when you're talking to people, you're measuring them against that. Are they good or are they not? And if they're not, it's totally okay to, to let them go. Refer them to somebody else that's going to be a better fit. They're going to be better served and you are too. So it's okay. Not everybody's going to be the right fit. You just need it's to okay know. to say no. Exactly. Yes, it is. And once we honed in on who these ideal clients mm -hmm. are, now we can jump into the next roadblock, which is messaging. So many people struggle with their marketing message. It can be tough and it's tough for a number of reasons. One is we don't understand our ideal clients well enough. But the second part of it that makes it really difficult is we as business owners, it's very difficult to think objectively about our business. We're too in it, right? We, we can't yeah. see the forest through the trees. We're too close to the fire. However you want to put it like it's tough for us to see because of that it's difficult to create a message that's really going to resonate with our ideal clients the two common mistakes we see people make with their messaging is they make it difficult for people to understand what they're doing it's not clear it's confusing and when we confuse people like confused people don't buy they don't take action 
No. We lose them. If somebody lands on the top of your website and they don't understand really quickly what you do and how they're going to benefit, do you think they're going to take the time to scroll down the rest of the page? No, they're not. Like we are super impatient these days because we're so used to having our answers like at our fingertips quickly. You might have five seconds. Yeah. Five to eight seconds is what I would give it. So we got to be clear. We got to keep things super simple, right? But what a lot of us do is we think that we've got to get cute and clever, you know, and, but what happens is it falls flat and it makes people mm -hmm. think, and they're just like, I don't get it. I'm not taking the time. I'm moving on. So that's one of the big mistakes we make with our messaging. The second one is we, we talk too much about ourselves. Like we think, especially in like B2B professional services where you got to have high trust, credibility, authority. We feel like we've got to speak too much about ourselves. And the reality is, Kim, our customers, our clients, they don't care about us. They care about how we can help them. Can we solve the problem that they currently have so that they can get from where they are to where they want to be? That's what they care about. So most of our message really needs to be focused on them. Yeah. What's the problem? How can we help them? What does life look like when you work with us, right? What We need to paint the picture of what life's going to be like and and focus on them. Uh, when I was in, I was doing a podcast interview a while back and uh, one of the guys talked about, yeah, somebody told me that when you go to your website, like a good test on the homepage of your website is how often are you seeing we, I compared to you, your, too many yeah. we's, I's, you're talking way too much about yourself. If that outweighs the you and the yours, you're not talking enough about your ideal clients and what you can do for them. Even um, your bio should be about person looking at your website, not mm -hmm. about you. Yeah. From a messaging standpoint, if that's the only thing you take away is I need to keep it simple mm -hmm. and I need to focus it on my ideal clients and not me, you will be so much further ahead of most businesses yeah. Now, you know, we could we could dig super deep into how you start to create good messaging. But gosh, if you just avoid those two things, you're going to be so much better off. And one of the best things you can do from this interview, if you want to take action immediately, interview your ideal clients. Yes. Because that's how you're going to be able to create great messaging. You need to hear in their words, what problem did they have? How did you help them solve it? What were the results and benefits they experienced? What did they do when they first even started looking to solve the problem? You know, yeah. why did they choose you? There's a lot of different questions you can ask them, but you want to just interview them, hear it in their words, have a 15 minute conversation with them and record it. So once you've answered the three power questions and you've identified who your ideal clients are, go interview those people, record it. Take notes. Gold will come from those conversations. I'll give you a great example of this. We worked with a residential siding contractor mm -hmm. probably four or five years ago. Contractors are notorious for talking about like high quality, you know, best products, number one rated in my area. That's table stakes. Like we expect that. So you're the number one. Does that, that doesn't mean you're great, right? It doesn't mean anything to me. They're talking too much about themselves. When we started working with them, um, one of the things that I did was I jumped on and started reading their reviews. They had a lot of reviews and I just started combing through to see what people sa were saying. And there was a woman there who said, one of the things I loved about working with these guys was they treated my house like it was their own. And I was like, there we go. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. That is it. Yeah. That's it. Like that's what, when you talk to your ideal clients, 
that's some of the stuff that's going to come out of these conversations. And you're going to be like, it's not siding, right? Yes, they need siding. But what's really important to them is the job gets done and it gets done well. They're treating my house like it's their own. Because what do we do when it's our own house? We take our shoes off. We wipe our feet. We keep things clean. If we're working in the house, we're going to do the best job we possibly can because it's it's our freaking house. Yeah, we live in it, right? And so that's what happens when we talk to clients. And you're going to get gold from that that you can then use in your messaging. And whatever you hear is in their words, yeah. not yours. And for our message to really resonate, it needs to be in their words, in their language. So do that. When you're, when you're done listening to this episode, ask yourself the three power questions and then go interview the clients that fall into that into that group. So we talked about two fundamentals, right? Do we want to talk about three? We're actually out of time, Tim. <laughs> you know what? I guess you're just going to have to reach out to for me to talk about those three. <laughs> actually, you know what I can do? Okay. The third, the third is all about planning. Okay. okay. If your audience goes to growthmarketingplan.com, at growthmarketingplan.com, I talk about our thoughts on planning and all the tools and resources are right there. The 90-day awesome. plan template that we use is right there. So go to growthmarketingplan.com and you can get the third big roadblock that we help people remove. How's that? That sounds amazing. Okay, cool. You know, you, you've you unpacked so much here. I, I've said this on a, a few other podcasts, but I, I want to repeat this again because audience, you need to pay attention to this. These are the things that you know, help you to climb Mount Everest of, of marketing. I don't know if you've ever heard the term of a Sherpa, but a Sherpa is someone who was born and raised on Mount Everest specifically, but it can be some of the other mountain ranges, but they are guides that will help you get to the top of Mount Everest. And they know every single pitfall. They know where to go, where not to go. They know when to rest, they know when to move and they will help you make it to the top. And, you know, there's been a lot of people who've tried to make it to the top of Mount Everest, but those who have done it successfully have had a Sherpa or a guide show them how. Tim today has given you information that if you take it and you apply it, so you can't just listen to it. You've got to apply it. And even right now, I'm already thinking through stuff. Okay, there's some things I'm going to need to review and think about and go through in terms of the things that Tim just said. So I highly recommend that, you know, you go back, you listen to this, you take notes and you work through those things that Tim said, because you will see a great improvement in your business. Tim, any one last final thought? Oh man, I would just say, don't skip the fundamentals. <laughs> like, you know, professionals make the fundamentals look easy because they've mm. practiced them so many times. It's just, it's ingrained in them naturally. And I don't, we think about fundamentals with sports a lot, but we often don't think about them all that much in our business. And mm -hmm. it's just, it's so important in marketing and every other discipline within our businesses. So don't skip them. They're simple, but they're not easy, right? There, it yeah. takes work, but we can all understand them. Um, yeah. We just have to put in the, the work and the time. So don't skip them. Otherwise you will waste time and money. <laughs>
Yeah, and they do take some time. It, yes, they it do. It's not something that just falls into your lap. It took me a year and a half to come up with the Extraordinary Word Ninja as my title. I worked on that for a year and a half to come up with perfect title that I felt represented me, that I could speak with confidence. So take the time to do these things. It, it is worth it. Tim, thank you so much for being on the show. So this has been Tim Fitzpatrick and Kim Thompson-Pinder on the Author to Authority podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the very next episode. Bye now. You've been listening to the Author to Authority podcast. The extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson-Pinder, has helped over 200 entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business. And many of those have gone on to become Amazon best-selling authors and have used their books to land high-level clients and get on big stages. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.author2authoritypodcast.com. See you next time.